Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is Jonah, the problem of disobedience. Hope all everybody's doing okay. Got a Bible with you? Let's take a peek at the book of Jonah with me. More than a peek. We're going to spend a little while there. Working our way through the Old Testament. Stopping for a stopping for a break here in Jonah. Jonah is sort of a breather here in the Old Testament from straight up straight up hard-hitting prophecy we get a little narrative and narrative Jonah that is disturbing but then we get to a narrative here in Jonah that's disturbing in another way because you got a great guy who's otherwise an awesome prophet uh, serving the Lord and yet he reaches his breaking point here because God calls him to do something that he doesn't want to do and I'm sure you're not like Jonah God everything that God asks you to do is just awesome with you right it's just cool and great and everything's good and no problems with it whatsoever. Every time God comes up with something, it's exactly what you thought you were going to be asked to do anyway. And so you're just right online with it all the time, right? It'd be awesome to be that heaven's going to be like that. But if you're going to tell me you're like that down here, I'm going to, I'm going to be staying away from you. Because what else are you lying to me about? Because it isn't true. Our sinful nature puts us in a place where we're just, you know, we find ourselves in, in opposition to the heart of God. We think we've got it, and then God comes up with something greater than that. Like I said, in the case of Jonah, Jonah's an awesome guy, serving God as a prophet. Uh, been faithful, 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 and hard task and hard jobs put in front of him. And probably, uh, if I had to guess, thinking there would be nothing that, that he couldn't do uh, that God would put in front of him, then sure enough, boom, he gets hit with something that was way outside of what he wanted to do. Go to the Ninevites and... Uh, put up with this uh, conversation that he has to deal or this circumstance that he has to deal with. And so we're going to read together, if, if you will look with me, we're going to read the whole chapter. We made it through verse 3 of Jonah, uh, chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter together, and then we're going to be some looking at some issues about his disobedience. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. There's this breaking point. So well, that's, what's wrong with that? Like I said, he's, huge, he's a huge racist. He's a huge hater. He, he hates the Ninevites, and they've earned it. And so he'll go anywhere, talk to anybody. By the way, he's ministering to northern Israel, which are, which are they're a piece of work in themselves. But the, nothing like the Ninevites. And so this is his breaking point. Go into Nineveh. Cry against the city, it says, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah's having nothing to do with that. Rose and flee to Tarshish. So God says, go east. He goes west. For the presence of the Lord, he went to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down in, into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Like I said, Tarshish is the same as saying Timbuktu. I mean, it's just nobody's been there or nobody's been back from there. It's a place that you think exists, but you're getting as far away from God as you possibly can imagine. There was nothing on the other side of Tarshish for them, so he was going as far as he possibly could. And the Lord hurled, by the way, you know what it says in the Hebrew? It says he Hurled, it says the same thing. It's an incredible word. So God throws this wind at him. Hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up, and the sailors became afraid. Now, when the sailors get afraid, that's when it's bad. When the rats leave in the ship, and that's what you got. Every man cried to his God. They threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea, and it lightened it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship and lain down, and of all the things... Fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and says, How is it that you're sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. And each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast the whole, the whole crew. They basically draw straws here to try to find out whose fault this is. 
And come let us cast lots so that we will learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us and what is your occupation and where do you come? They start rifling off these questions. Where do you come from and what is your country and what are your people? What people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, creator of heaven and earth, right? The sea and the dry land. And then the men became extremely frightened because they said to him, how could you do this? What is he talking about? Because it says, for the men knew that he was fleeing the presence of the Lord because he told them. So I don't know, I guess getting on the ship, they were asking, so why are you getting on our ship? Because I'm running for the presence of the Lord. I'm sure they thought, oh, this guy's a weirdo. Get on the boat, you know, as long as he pays the fare. And then sure enough, now, start, now things become biblical, if you will, uh, with them. And they're starting to ask the real questions. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, we know you. You're the guy that says you're running. And the same guy that you say you fear, now you're running from them. And they're part starting to put two and two together. It's this guy. The straws proved it, right? The men became extremely frightened. They said, how could you do this? Verse 10, verse 11. So they said to him, what should we do? That the, the sea may calm for us. And for the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said to them, notice, rather straightforward, nonchalant. He doesn't pray about it, think about it. Throw me in. Pick me up. Throw me in. He knew what it took. So he's a man of God, out of the will of God, and yet he still knows what, it's, what needs to be done. It's interesting. He can't cease to be who he is. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me that this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately. They're not going to do that. I mean, they're, you know, they're bad people, but they're, they're going to do that. add one more thing at the end of possibly their lives. They're going to add the, the blood of an innocent person possibly. They're not going to throw him in. The men rode desperately returned to the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. And they called out to the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, he says, they say. For thou, O Lord, hast done as thou hast pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and it's sort of like Jesus calming the Sea of Galilee, right? It's almost instant. Things stops rocking. Sea stopped raging, and the men feared the Lord greatly. And he offered sacrifices, so he's converted the whole boat through his disobedience. Isn't that interesting? Like I said, you can't get away from who you are. And they made vows to the Lord, and the Lord appointed, notice, a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish. How long? Three days and three nights. So let's back up in, in, um, in macro here before we get into the micro of Jonah. Let's back up in macro here. So I've got a story in which one person is sacrificed to save the many. Sound familiar? Got any other place in the Bible that sounds like you Bible scholars out there? Does that sound like a story that's from the Bible? Sounds like another story from the Bible, doesn't it? Maybe we could say it's coincidence. But but in order to save the many, he's literally sacrificed. So when they throw him in the water, are they thinking he's living or they think he's dying? Especially if they see him fall into the mouth of a fish when they throw him in the water. They're, not, they're thinking this is it for him. So he's officially, effectively dead for how long? So he's one sacrifice for the many. He's dead for three days and three nights. But what happens? Does he stay in the fish? After three days and three nights, what happens to him? back on the land right uh, in a sense resurrected so what one is sacrificed for the many he's dead effectively for three days and three nights and he's resurrected and then what after happens after that he goes and preaches to the Ninevites and they all are saved aren't they that sound like a story 
That's not in the Old Testament, doesn't it? Sounds like a new te- it sounds like the New Testament story of Jesus, does it not? Not a coincidence. If you're running the numbers, don't run it on this one because Jesus literally draws a direct parallel between what happened to Jonah and the most important part of his ministry, which is his own personal sacrifice to save us. Notice what it says here. For as Jonah was three literal days and little, don't ask me how he breathed. I get that question. I don't know how he breathed. I don't know how a fish swallowed him. I'm just, if Jesus said he did, then I am okay with it. And if you've got a problem with that, then you've got a problem with Jesus. You don't have a problem with Pastor Bill. I disagree with Pastor Bill. No, you do not. You do disagree with the direct teachings of Scripture, in particular that of Jesus. For as Jonas was, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Remember we talked about last time, if Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights, that means he couldn't have died on what day? Friday couldn't happen on Friday. The math doesn't work. You've got to have him on Thursday or, or at the very least and probably Wednesday. Anyway, so, so there's a direct line here between Jesus and Jonah, but is, is Jonah Jesus? Not at all. Talk about a person that was as far from Jesus as far as his heart is concerned as a person could possibly be is a man that hated. How bad do you have to hate a group of people that you would rather die in the ocean or die going to Tarshish or God, die God judging you than to go and preach to them for the possibility that they might repent and that you might have to be in heaven with them. That was his problem. That's the reason why he didn't want to go. Possibly they could repent. And so I don't want them to repent, and so I'm not going, he says. So that's what he does. But Jonah, like I said, was definitely, definitely not Jesus. Jonah, Jonah didn't want to reach the Ninevites. He didn't care about them. He hated them. And so here's what you need to understand. The story of Jonah is a story of a missionary but the worst possible missionary you could could possibly come up with. And so here's what we need to hear. God, listen, is the missionary. Always. If you were reached, you were reached. You tell me about the person that reached you and shared the gospel with you. I'm telling you, it wasn't that person. Ultimately, it was God reaching you through them. God is reaching you. God is the missionary. It is salvation is available because God wants it to be. Forgiveness is available because God decided for it to be that way. People are sent to preach these truths because God sends them. The hero of your story, as is true with Jonah, the book of Jonah, even though it's named after him, the hero is God. The hero of your story also is the same. It is God. He's the hero of your story. He's the hero of this church. He's the hero of my life. He is the hero of if you have a story, it's because God has given you that story. God has always wanted to save people. I know this is in the New Testament, John 3, 16, and we, we separate. It's interesting, nowhere in the Bible is the Bible separated into Old and New Testament. It's all called the collective Word of God. We separate them, and sometimes because we separate them, we come up with these weird conclusions like, like possibly the God of the New Testament is not the same as the God of the Old Testament because the God of the New Testament seems to be a forgiving God, right? The God of the Old Testament seems to be a Ten Commandments God that doesn't forgive and, and holds people accountable for stuff and, and uh, that they seem diametrically opposed to each other. Nowhere does the Bible actually separate itself into testaments. It does not. So the God that wrote the John 3.16 that is true about them is the same God. By the way, if you think it's not the same God, then you're going to have to take Jonah out of your Bible. Because if you want to know John 3.16 in the Old Testament, read the book of Jonah. Was it Jonah that wanted to go? It was God. And Jonah tried to keep it from happening, and who made sure that it happened, and who gladly forgave these wicked Ninevites? God did. For God so loved, right? 
the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life is not just the New Testament God. It's the God who he's always been this way. He's always loved to forgive. God is the forgiver. God is the missionary. God is the savior. But here's the weird thing. God chooses to send people. It's interesting that even though he reneges on his whole going to Nineveh thing, he gets on a boat going to Tarshish. Where does he wind up? Still in Nineveh. God doesn't, God doesn't just say, okay, it's over with for you. Stay in the belly of the fish for the rest of your uh, time on earth. No, he has the fish spit him back up and he goes back and does his job. And God doesn't appoint anyone else. He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't put signs and wonders in the heavens so the Ninevites will, will repent. What does he do? Still Jonah's job. Does it change his program? He's still a bad guy. He still has no heart. He's still a racist. He still hopes God doesn't forgive them. Nothing changes with the heart of Jonah. The only thing that changes with Jonah is that now he smells like fish food. But nothing else has changed about him. He's gotten the point. I understand, God. I understand there's no getting away from your call. Nevertheless, internally, he has not changed. But it is, it is because God has not changed his program. And that's something we need to take to heart. And that brings us to our first point here. Um, the, the disobedience, listen, disobedience doesn't change God's plan to save people. Jonah's disobedient. Does it change anything? No. Doesn't change anything for the Ninevites. Change something for Jonah. He's disobedient, and, and we're, as the second point here, get ahead of myself, he has to go through the dark side, if you will, of God's plan, the, the hard side of God's plan. But God's plan is God's plan. God's plan is to save the Ninevites. God is going to do that. God's plan is to save the Ninevites through Jonah. Guess what? That's the way it's going to go. So for all of us Jonahs out here who think that God probably, oh, he's, mis he's replaced me. I'm bad. I've, I've rebelled. Wrong. The message of Jonah is that he doesn't replace his missionaries. Now, he may have to take you through, I don't know, the belly of a fish and through a storm to get you there. He's getting you there. You are going. You decide how you're going to go, but not where you're going. God is taking there. God doesn't change. He didn't choose the angels to do it. He didn't replace Jonah with someone else. He didn't find another prophet that would obey him. He hasn't appointed some signs and wonders in the heavens. He has always strangely sent people. And of the people that he chooses to send, who does he send? There is no exceptions to this. Messed up people. There's no, there's no good people. You understand that, right? Well, how could he pick a Jonah, a, a racist, a, a hater of the Ninevites? Because who does he else he got to pick from? There's nothing but messed up people out there. Nothing but haters. Nothing but sinners. He can't find anybody else. Find, find one exception in the scriptures where the guy was just, a, or the gal, 100% good. No, they're not. So God's program is and always will be, listen, through people. God didn't abandon his process with Jonah or the Ninevites. And it was a bad one. So he will not abandon his process for us. He will not. Oh, maybe God will send someone else. Ask Jonah that question. Oh, no, he won't. You think he will. You're going to find out the hard way. He definitely would not. He did not abandon his process with Jonah. He will not abandon his process with us. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I'm going to Tarshish. God says, go east. Jonah goes west. God says, obey. Jonah says, no way, right? And does it change anything? No, it does not. Where does he wind up? He still goes to Nineveh. 
He still does it. He doesn't abandon his plan. God does not. He has to take Jonah through a storm. He has to take him through the bowels of a fish. But he doesn't abandon his plan. So important for us to understand this. Disobedience does not change God's plan to save people. Oh, so we all disobey is the, the plan of God, Island Baptist Church and every other Baptist church and every other person that calls himself under Christ. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to serve ourselves and we're not going to reach out and God's going to have to do something different. Well, I hope you like the inside of a fish. That's where we're going, guys. God's not changing his plan. We're going to either, we're going to either go happily, joyfully, obediently, Oh, we're going to go kicking and screaming, smelling like fish guts. But we're going. Disobedience doesn't change God's plan to save people, number one. Number two, disobedience puts us on the dark side. We've already said this. On the dark side of God's plan. Everyone and everything obeys God in this story, with the exception of the most unlikely person you would think disobey. The prophet of God. This is a man of God. This is a man of God been faithfully serving the northern kingdoms for decades as far as we can tell at this point a man of god the most unlikely person to be the only disobeyer and yet he's the one the 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 storm obeys god right the fish obey god he's right there waiting for him the 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 sailors obey god don't they the ninevites obey god the most unlikely people to obey God, the, the least likely person to disobey God is Jonah, and yet he's the only one. Someone, I, I thought this was interesting, made a whole sermon off of this, but I, I, and I'm not going to take his stuff, but I, I, I took his quote here. This is what he said. Jonah was the non-profit prophet. That's what he was. He was non-profit for sure. The first non-profit there ever was. He was of no profit to God or the Ninevites, and yet God still uses him. God's plan went right on. Not without Jonah. Jonah just got on the dark side of the plan. You can be on the light side of the plan. You can be on the dark side of the plan. But there is only one plan. There's not a plan A and a plan B, a plan 1 and a plan 2. No, there is a single plan. You just got to decide if you're going to be on the fun side of this or you're going to be on the sad side of this. You're going to be on the happy, willing side of this or you're going to be on the drag, kicking, and screaming side of this. It's up to you. Plans don't change. The only thing that changes is your experience. Jonah thought he had booked a Mediterranean cruise, right? But he had instead, uh, I like what somebody said, he, still, he instead got a three-day stay in the Halibut Hilton, the, the Shark Sanatorium, the, the Fish Fun Park. And uh, Jonah, Jonah, listen, there wasn't an option to get out of the plan. Only an option of which side he was on. You can be on the good side or the bad side of this. You've got to decide for yourself. What, what side of God's plan am I going to be on? I, God's, God doesn't, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to run from God. Well, you really need to read Jonah. You really need to read it. Jonah stands as, as a testimony to us of, of more than anything of why we need to obey God in our lives. So number one, God doesn't give up on his plans. Number two, God, it, you can just get on the dark side of the plans if, if that's what you're going to do. Number three, disobedience. Listen, puts others, this is an important one, our disobedience puts others in harm's way. Our disobedience doesn't just affect us. It affects anyone and probably everyone who's anywhere close to us. The Ninevites were in danger of hell, weren't they? That's why God sends him. Cry against the city. Their evil has come up to me. They're in danger of hell. God's going to destroy them. And he's given them one last shot through the prophet Jonah. Jonah. 
So they're in danger of hell. Jonah's disobeying. He's endangering them even more. The sailors are in danger of their lives because of Jonah's disobedience. Are they not? And all because what? Because one little selfish dude decides he's not going to do what God says. So I've got thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who are in danger literally of life or hell itself, all because one guy is going to be a hardhead about it. That's what happens. That's the way sin works. Others suffer because of our sin. We think sins only hurts ourselves. You're mistaken. You're mistaken. It hurts others. You hurt others when you sin. Your sin hurts those who depend on you. Your sin hurts people who look up to you. Your sin hurts people who love you. Well, I don't have any kind of people. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You walled yourself off from so many people and done so many things you think nobody, oh no, they care. They love, they look up to you, but your sin, listen, as someone says, we never sin alone. We may, we may be alone when we sin, but we never sin alone. We never do. We take, we take people with us, and in many cases, it's the one closest to us that suffer the most. Our compromise injures us, not just us. It injures our spouse. It injures our children. It injures our friends. It injures our, our church. injures our world. Because God's not sending anybody but us. Like I said, Jonah was it for the Ninevites. Guess who's it for the world? We are. Look around. This is it. Oh, well, they're in trouble. Yeah, they are. They are. Because we're it. The church is it. God doesn't have another program. He's not appointing some other system. He's not using something else. He's sending people who now belong to him, who once were the receivers of good news, now we're the givers of good news, and you can't opt out of that, Jonah. You just can't. God doesn't change his plan because of our disobedience. I'm going to be disobedient enough, he'll quit me. No, he won't. No, he won't. You're going to be on the dark side of the plans, and you're going to cause harm in that process, but he's not going to quit you. So let me ask you this personal question. Are people in danger? Or maybe I should say, who's in danger because of your disobedience? Who's, who's harmed today because you're not doing it right? I want you to think about those people. Who's harmed? Who's in danger? The world is falling apart. Where's Jonah? Right? Ooh. Of all the people, he should have known. But he doesn't. So disobedience puts us in harm, puts others in harm's way. Number four, disobedience doesn't change, and this may be the biggest issue for, for Jonah, and maybe for us too. Disobedience doesn't change who we are. Look at verse nine. So he's in complete disobedience, in utter rebellion, going west when God says go east, going away from God, walking out of his will, and yet nonetheless, when they ask him who he is, what does he say? I'm a Hebrew people of God, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Nothing changed. Nothing about who he was changed. His rebellion, his disobedience did not change anything. It didn't, it didn't revoke anything. He didn't lose his call. He didn't lose who he was. He's on the dark side of the plan, but he has certainly not changed the plan. He's not changed what he's called to do, and he's not changed who he is. Disobedience does not change who we are. Like I said, stating the obvious, Jonah is still the prophet of God, and he's still called to preach the word of God to the people of Nineveh. Nothing has changed. Nothing. 
Disobedience doesn't change anything. Doesn't change who we are. He, he could run from all he wanted to, but it wasn't going to change who he was. And the captain and the crew asked some very, I think, well-taken, well-spoken questions. How is it that you're still sleeping? That's a good question. How is it that you are a Hebrew and fear the creator of heaven and earth and are on such a fool's errand? How is it, Jonah? How is it? That's a good question. So here's the same question or maybe, maybe similar answers to, that, to the questions for us. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not into the whole outreach thing. Is that right? I'm not into the whole missionary thing. That's for, that's for good people, but it's not, it's not for me. I, I'm, I'm a believer, but I, I'm not into the whole sharing the gospel thing. I'm not into the making disciples thing. I'm not into the living a life as an example in front of unbelievers thing. I'm not into that. I'm not into, oh, really, right, Jonah? So because I'm disobedient, I'm not living what God wants me to be, and so I'm not into that kind of stuff. Really, so that exempts you from being who you are. Here's what you need to know, Jonah. It doesn't change anything. So you're not into that stuff? It doesn't matter. That is who you are. God has called us to be light. He doesn't say, I want you to be light. doesn't say that in the New Testament. It says you are the light of the world. You are. You are. In your disobedience, you're the light. In your obedience, you're the light. In your doing what's right, in your thinking what's right, in your going God's way, and you're going the wrong way, you're still the light of the world. There's no exceptions to that. It doesn't get revoked. It doesn't change. You're still the salt of the world. It doesn't say he wants you to be salt. He says you are salt. Your disobedience doesn't change anything. It doesn't change your responsibility. It doesn't change your call. It doesn't change God's plan. It doesn't change God's mission. God doesn't appoint someone else. It doesn't change anything. Jonah ran, but he could not run. He could not outrun who he was. The same is true for us. You cannot outrun who you are. When you come to faith in Jesus, when you trust Jesus as personal Savior, there's a conversion, right? We use that as a religious term. What does that mean? Well, Bible says you're born again. So your rebirth, it says in another place, you become a new creation. That only goes one direction. Birth just goes one direction. I'm born and then I grow up, hopefully. I'm born and I go forward. I'm, I'm a new creation. I start as a baby and I grow up. But I don't go backwards. I can't undo this. I didn't do it for myself because God does it all and it's Jesus' sacrifice that saves me. And so I didn't do this for myself, so I can't undo it. By, I didn't do it because I was obedient. I can't undo it because of my disobedience. Nothing changes because of disobedience. You're not opted out. Your, your mission and direction is still the same. So yeah, you get in a boat to Tarshish, but you're still headed to Nineveh. You're still going there. And it'd be far better if you got along with a program for you. Disobedience doesn't change who we are. Disobedience doesn't negate the need for sacrifice. Look at verse 12. And he said to them, pick me up. Here's the answer to what, what, I, what do we need to do to calm the sea, to make God happy again, if you will. Pick me up, throw me into the sea. The sea will become calm for you for I know that on account of me this great storm has come to come upon you notice now so you, so we have this guy who on the one hand is pretty callous he doesn't care if a single Ninevite repents in fact he cares very deeply that they not repent 
That's why he's not going. Yet at the same time, he recognizes the peril that he's put this boat in, and he knows the only way to save them is to sacrifice himself. So there's something good in him, right? We say, oh, way to go, boy. At least there's a little bit in there in, in your callousness that, that, you've, that you've come back to. He understands the need for sacrifice in order to save these people. He knows it's there. He, he, he doesn't want to sacrifice for the pagans now, the, the Ninevites, but he was willing to sacrifice for these pagan sailors to be sure. So going to Nineveh was sacrificing too much for Jonah in his own eyes. But he understands the need for sacrifice for the sake of these others. And here's what you need to understand. For the world to be reached, for the gospel to go out, for the message of the truth, for us to be what we already are, just on the right side of God's plans, if you will, but who we already are, you're going to have to sacrifice. That means not doing everything you want to do in the way you want to do it and the timing you want to do it. That means giving up and saying, God, this is not my day. This is your day. This is not my week. This is not my month. This is not my year. This is yours. Do whatever you want. Now, here's, here's what I'm asking you to do, but I understand that you can shelve those things or push them wide off because I'm here to serve you. I've got a short life, got a temporary lifespan going on here, and, and, and when that's over, I want to make sure that I've done doing what's right. So I have to sacrifice. Listen, there has to be sacrifice or people are not reached. Oh, well, if my, it, it's my life and so I'll, I'll help people as it conveniences me. What if Jesus treated us that way? What if Jesus just pleased himself and he would reach us whenever it was convenient for him? He's called us to be like him. He's called us to be just like him. Take sacrifice. What if Jesus thought the way we did? Listen, here, here's maybe the biggest point for me, and I don't know about you, but it's the biggest point for me in, in, in such a searching, searching, searching point. Jonah was the problem, right? He was a problem for the Ninevites because he didn't go. He was a problem for these guys on the boat who were otherwise, they lost all their income. They threw it all overboard. And now they're about to lose their lives. Jonah is the problem, and he's the solution to the problem. He's both. Isn't that interesting? You know what the church is? The United States of America? The church is a problem. The church is the problem. Why, why was our nation good and solid? Why was our nation moral? Why was our nation doing what's right? Because we were strong. Churches were strong. And the influence the church had on our culture was strong. Look at our history. There is no arguing it. Why? And so now things are going south on us, and they really are. Our answers to the same question of how can we get better is not the solution that we had before. It's, uh, well, we need better political, we need better decisions, we need better finances, we need to get rid of this debt, we got to have a wall on the border, we got to have uh, this or that, we got to. No! No! These are not, these are symptoms. Our problem is something far deeper. And what is our problem? It's us. You're looking at them. The church is the problem in the United States. The church is not doing what she needs to do. She's not acting the way she's supposed to act. She's not having the power she's supposed to have. She's not sacrificing. She's not giving herself. She's in the belly of a ship headed somewhere else because that's what she wants to do because she thinks that somehow changes things. It does not. It does not get change God's program. And so we're at, this, we're at one point, the problem and if we get our heads on straight, the solution. We're the solution. God has not changed his plans. So, so here it is for you and for me. We are either on the way to Nineveh 
Are we on the way to Tarshish? There is no in-between. Where are you today? Which one of those tours? You're either on the way to Tarshish, you're on the way to Nineveh. You're either going to do what God calls you to do or you're not. What is it today? Oh, I'm in between those things. No, you're not. Could have said, I guess Jonah was in between those things before they actually threw the ropes off the dock. But he'd already gotten in the boat. See, his heart had already way back in the hills of, of Israel. He'd already decided, I'm not going over there. So it was just a matter of, of, of uh, a, a, a foregone conclusion that he was going to make his way down to the water and find a boat. But yeah, that wasn't anything. that he was, He'd already decided over there. Oh, well, I'm not living in disobedience, but are you living in obedience to God? Are you obeying him in everything in your life? You're either, you're either walking in the will of God or you're walking out of it. Which is it today? Where are you today? I want to ask you, please, to bow your heads, close your eyes as we think about the things that God has said to us today, the things he's speaking to us. The story of Jonah is such a searching story because, like I said, we find ourselves in the same place. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want the difficulties that are incurred. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't like those people. I'm scared. God will find someone else. I don't, I don't have to do if I don't want to. I don't have to sacrifice. Somebody else will reach them. God, I pray that you'd forgive us where this man, this Jonah, um, a man of God who belonged to you, who served you, who came to a place in his life where he decided he wasn't going to do something and how his decisions affected so many people and how his heart was refusing to change. God, I pray today that we wouldn't be those kind of people. He was, he was the problem and he was the only solution to the problem. God, I pray that we would own up to our place in society. We'd own up to our place in these communities. We'd own up to our place in the world. The church would. The people of the church would. And we would decide whether we're going to be the problem or the solution to the problem. God, I pray that we wouldn't think that somehow our disobedience has changed your call, has changed who we are, has changed the need, has changed and so you decided to send someone else those things aren't true if we read the book of Jonah help us to live up to who we are be obedient to you get on the right side of your plan God instead of dragging our heels be in the front lines thank you so much for speaking to us for this beautiful book and the story searching story of a man so much like us Search our hearts now, God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.